Welcome to church and before we start looking at God's word it's great for us to pray so let's pray together. Lord we just give thanks for this time together uh, that we might not be able to to be physically with each other we give thanks that uh, we can actually be together under your word and so that today Lord we just ask that you might help us to understand uh, your word and the good news that uh, that we have uh, before us that that gospel of Jesus who has died was buried according to the scriptures has been risen uh, for our sins and so Lord we um, we just hold that as, as of, of our of most importance and uh, and ask that uh, that you bless this time amen well we'd left the kids with the grandparents uh, we were exhausted we were young parents and uh, any opportunity to go on a date was to be taken seriously and so we'd booked the early tickets the early session to go and see the secret life of walter mitty perhaps you've seen it yourself uh, it's a fantastic film it's beautifully shot and it deals with the character Walter Mitty, who has lived to this point an inconsequential life. Uh, he has an office job in a grey office. He's an accountant. He pushes a pencil around uh, the, the, uh, the pad. He takes the job seriously, um, but the reality is uh, he's not excited by it, and he lives a dream life. Well, as the film progresses, he's forced out of the boringness and into an exciting Job, an exciting life. He uh, he actually, as part of the film, goes on this journey. He actually has to jump out of a helicopter into shark-infested waters. He skateboards down a mountain away from erupting an erupting volcano. Um, it's intense. He climbs to the Afghan mountains to take a photograph of a rare snow leopard, and one of the characters says of him, "You look like." Indiana Jones decided to join the Stripes. And it's, a, it's this rock star image, and it was beautifully shot and cleverly crafted. Music was playing. You're emoted by this. And Beck and I left incredibly devastated. You see, our lives to this point seemed so boring in contrast. Um, we got into our 2000 model boxy Volvo and, and drove home. It was disappointing. You see, the film The Secret Life of Walter Mitty might very well have been entitled YOLO, You Only Live Once. Uh, and the idea being that you only have this life, you only have this life to live, and you've got to make it exciting. It's got to be the best. It's always got to be the best, and anything less is, uh, is not good enough. Um, you, you will have come across the word YOLO. It's become part of our culture's vernacular. And in 2012, the Oxford Dictionary actually shortlisted it as one of its words of the year. Um, and you can try it out with me. Um, you know, do you want to go bungee jumping tomorrow? YOLO. Um, what about some of the cake I've baked? It's uh, full fat, full sugar, full taste, full on. YOLO. Uh, what about taking a trip down to Sydney? YOLO? It can be a litmus test if you live this YOLO life. Um, it sorts out your priorities. If there is only this life, nothing beyond it. To quote another movie, you'd have to sort out what is on your bucket list. Um, 
it also suggests, if you live this YOLO life, that getting as many experiences as possible makes sense. You could probably even justify that pushing in the queue to get on the roller coaster or to get on the SpaceX trip to the moon uh, or even to get toilet paper is justified. YOLO, you only live once. You wouldn't have to, to imagine too hard that living that way would make actually for a fearful life, one full of worry and anxiety that I might miss out. Similarly, the Corinthian church was uh, living under certain uh, similar circumstances. During the first century, Corinth was a cosmopolitan happening place. It was full of new ideas. It was full of trade, and, and that was part of the reason. Lots of communities converged in Corinth. And it meant lots of new ideas had converged in Corinth too. And, and some of the philosophies of the day had started to permeate the new Christians in the Corinthian church. In much the same way the Walter Mitty uh, film represented its underlying YOLO principles, uh, people had become confused. Clever camera angles proved the Walter Mitty premise, but it was eloquent speech and articulate uh, ideas that had convinced the Corinthian church of some of the ideas. Happily, Paul had visited Corinth on his second mission, and he'd set up a church with Priscilla and Aquila, and you can read about that in Acts. And they'd established a church, but unhappily, the Corinthian Christians had been... They'd lost the point. They'd lost the plot, in some sense. They'd been doing a hybrid version. They'd heard the good news, they'd been saved, but then they were living in such a way that suggested that they didn't think that they were saved. And Paul wants to deal with that. So um, you've already heard it from the passage, but the one major point that we want to take away from, from this evening is there is a life beyond this one. It's, it's not YOLO, you only live once. It might be better put, you only live twice. Or as we are going to hear, um, you only live for others. YOLFO, you only live for others. Or... Um, if we're really going to go for acronyms, um, you only live to bring glory to God and then for others, which I think comes out as YOLBGZO. Not as catchy. Let's go with YOLT. <laughs> you only live twice. So let's have a look at the, the passage that we've been, uh, that we've read, have read for us in more detail. Read with me at uh, verse one, 1 and 2. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have, you have believed in vain. So Paul wants us to know what we have been unified under. The true gospel. Uh, the gospel, the, the word gospel is, is a word that means the good news. And uh, the gospel which he preached was the good news that these Christians and us have taken our stand on. Paul warns us, though, that if you've taken a different gospel, if you've got a gospel that is Jesus died, resurrected, and you have to be really good, then you've got a, you're in a dangerous position where you haven't got the gospel that Paul's preached. It's a, it's a God plus gospel, if you will. Um, if you remember 
Several months ago, we had a visiting preacher and he talked about having his coffee straight up. He didn't like to have anything in it. No milk, no sugar. He wanted his coffee straight up. It was the purest way of uh, drinking coffee. And, and it's the same for us here as we consider the gospel. This gospel is to be taken in its entirety, just as it is. It doesn't need anything extra. And he, he wants us to know that. The, the Corinthian world, the hub of, of trade and a melting pot of philosophies, um, it, it has become excited and enamoured with really clever speakers and, and public debates. It's part of the entertainment. And um, if, if Instagram was in, in, in Corinth, you'd definitely follow some of these speakers. And because Instagram isn't in Corinth, you just have to physically follow them on foot. Um, some of the Christians, though, have become confused with that. And, and so earlier in the book of Corinthians, um, Paul addresses this and he says, listen, some of you are saying I follow Apollos. Some of you are saying I follow Paul. But he, he, he directs us, that's a foolish way of thinking about this. Instead, he suggests we are to follow Jesus and Jesus only. And he wants, he wants that to be clear because he doesn't want us to be confused by what might seem like an eloquent um, idea. See, the outworking of following these people or listening to the public square and, and getting your ideas from that is that the Corinthian Christians had become quite Gnostic, if you will. They'd, um, there was Aristotle 300 years ago who was a materialist. He says that basically you can understand the world by the objects in it, by the events in it, by even the people in it. Um, everything in this world can be explained through those those physical things. Um, in Western in the Western world, it's it's Western materialism. Uh, science can explain things because basically everything can be boiled down to its elements and atoms. Uh, it can probably go smaller than that, but everything can be kind of categorized and explained. Upsettingly. Um, if you boil a human's components down to their base level, um, you can buy that amount of chemicals for about $18. It's a frightening picture. What it doesn't allow, Western materialism can't allow, is an explanation for the things of the spiritual world. The conscience. Thinking. It explains, it explains the science of things, but can't explain those spiritual things and Paul is worried that the Corinthian church have been convinced by that, and he wants to warn us in one sense of the same, uh, the same foolishness. If you think about it, as we've been reading through, uh, Paul's, Paul wants to deal with uh, the very specific nature of being saved for our sins through Jesus' death um, and resurrection. So let's have a look at uh, verse 3 and 4. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul immediately identifies that this is the most important thing, this is the significant thing that comes from this. Christ died for our sins. That's the good news. Christ died for our sins. He builds upon it, but it's all about the same truth. It's according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised according to the scriptures. 
This is central to our faith. Christ's death has a purpose. He died for our sins. It highlights for us that Christ isn't just a good man or a moral teacher. He came for a purpose. Christ died for our sins and we are restored to God because of this. And we've been reading through Daniel and we've written 500 years or so before Christ, which describes a prophecy of the Son of Man, who is Jesus. And at Easter we read Psalm 22, which goes into quite close detail of Christ's dead, and that was written 1,400 years before Christ. It even specifies how he would be killed and that people would cast lots for his clothes. And it came to be Christ's death actually fulfills the, the, the prophecy. And, and it's important for us to understand because in fulfilling the prophecy, Christ actually proves that he is who he says he is. The distance in time of the scriptural prophecy tells us that this wasn't a backup plan, that God didn't come up with this plan after the fact. Oh, they've fallen into sin. Actually, this was the plan all along. And it, it proves that God is faithful. He promised it. It comes to, to fruition. He keeps his promises. God's restored us to him through Christ's death. Now, the Corinthians had grasped this at a base level, but had misunderstood that the resurrection has the significance it does. Importantly, Paul wants us to know that the truth of the gospel he preached to the Corinthians, he wants to know it can be believed because of all the people who Jesus has appeared to afterwards. To hold this intention, Christ has died, he's resurrected, it proves that he is who he says he is, and lots of people can attest to this, people still living at the time that Paul writes the letter, um, and they can be he can, they can be checked out. So if we look at verses 5 and 8, um, Paul delineates that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. He could be visited, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as of one abnormally born. Paul wants us to know that he himself has seen the risen Lord. But not just Paul, hundreds who are still alive have seen Jesus. The Corinthians could have travelled to Jerusalem and checked Paul's account. But Christ resurrected is significant to our belief. Think of it in antithesis, in the opposite. If Jesus had died and not risen, then his claim to being God couldn't be believed. We could possibly attribute some of the moral teaching uh, to him, a good way of living, loving others, that's good, uh, looking after the poor, that's good. We could even understand his death symbolically, and uh, we should all sacrifice a bit like Jesus did. But because of what Jesus has said about himself, if he didn't rise from the dead, it would be a hollow gospel. Jesus, a good man, had died, but he'd not risen. It was a sacrifice, symbolically, but we would know that that really couldn't deal with our sins. It's Jesus' claim that he is who he says he is, he is God, his rising 
proves that. No one else has done that. No one else has defeated death like Jesus has. And so we can put our trust in him. So that's significant that we, we grasp to this. Christ resurrected does something for us that needs to be marveled at. Jesus' resurrection is significant because of what he has said. He says after he's um, raised Lazarus, I am the, the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's huge. Jesus claims not just to be the way to God, but to God, but to be God himself. And as Paul points out, he has been resurrected from death. And in doing so, he has defeated death. And that proves that he is to be believed. The next section of the passage gets at the crux of the issue that the Corinthians are struggling with. And it's got that parallel to our Western materialist society. The materialist understanding of the world is that there's only matter. The world can only be understood in terms of matter. The notion of having a conscience or a soul doesn't make sense. But Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to be tempted by that philosophy. There is a God. He became man. Jesus, who died according to the scriptures, was buried and rose to life according to the scriptures, and it's been witnessed. At verse 12, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Paul's addressing this view that some of the Corinthian Christians held, which was there was no resurrection. That is, after your life, nothing. Or perhaps it was a Gnostic view that you became part of the universe. In any sense, they had disbelieved that they might be resurrected and therefore had doubted that Christ was resurrected. The question is pertinent to us. It's important. We do hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul has preached to the Corinthians. But we can be tempted to live as if it isn't our gospel. We can be tempted to live YOLO. Uh, the question I had to ask myself as I was thinking through this was, am I living YOLO? Are we living with a short view of our lives? Or do we live with the long view of our lives after resurrection in mind? Are our lives as Christians distinguishable from the rest of society? Paul wants us to think carefully about this because the implications are serious. At verse 15, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says that if there's only this life and we've put our faith in Christ who hasn't been raised, then we are to be pitied, to be looked down upon. Paul wants us to think about this, and he's been addressing this throughout this letter to the Corinthians. Um, by way of example, in, uh, in chapter 6, um, 
the Corinthian church have got members who have been taking other members of the church to court. They've been suing each other. And Paul says, surely that can't be. Surely it would be better to be wronged for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 11, uh, Paul has raised the issue about how the Corinthians are doing communion together. Some people go hungry, whilst others eat all the bread and get drunk on the wine. Surely it would be better to do communion together, he says. They've been living YOLO. In contrast, Paul says, I'm, I'm going to do it differently. Listen to this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. So, Paul says, not just you only live twice, but you only live for the sake of the gospel. It's of most importance. And secondarily, we live for the gospel because it brings glory to God, and we live for the gospel to, to share it with others. Back to um, chapter 1, sorry, uh, chapter 15. Paul wants us to know this truth. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. There is an order to things. Christ has been raised. When he comes again, so too we will be raised. And it's important to think about what we're being raised to. So taking a broad view of the Bible, there are there is a two images which bookend the Bible. The opening of Genesis, which has got this beautiful garden, uh, God's creation. In it are two people, Adam and Eve, and they walk with God. And at the end of the Bible, at Revelation, Revelation 22, there is a, and 21 and 22, there's a picture of a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to this. A new heaven and a new earth. I saw the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy City, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. It sounds a bit like Eden, but bigger and better. There's a river that flows through it down the main street of the city, um, flowing straight from the throne of God. On either side of the river stands the tree of life. It's accessible to everybody. It bears different fruit for each of the months. And the throne of God and the throne of the Lamb is there and everyone can see God's face. 
and his name is written on their foreheads and they serve him forever. It's, it's an amazing picture. The full restoration of the heavens and the earth. That's what we're hoping for. That's what our hope is, is, is based in. The long view. The short view, which the Corinthians have been confused about, says it's, it's here and now. Um, the long view says it's not just here and now. This is for a time, and we've got a purpose here, but we are holding out for the full restoration of the heavens, the earth, the second coming of Jesus. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, at 24, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And brothers and sisters, in Christ's resurrection, death has been defeated. And all glory to God. Last week we heard from Daniel uh, at chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. But at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The prophecy in the scriptures are fulfilled in Christ. Actually, all of Paul's comments and instructions are found in the truth of chapter 15. The Corinthians have not been taking a long view of the world and their time upon it. And Paul's instructing the church in Corinth because they have not set their eyes on the main game. They've missed the point. And this is important because life in Corinth has some eerie echoes to our own Western world. And we as Christians can easily be entangled in those very same sins. So what next? What do we do with this? Well, I presented to you YOLO at the beginning, and then a shorter but more accurate version of YOLT. If we live as if we have the long view, it changes our priorities. It'll help us be satisfied with what we've got on this earth, and to have a healthy dissatisfaction for the world that we live in. It isn't easy, though. We can so easily be distracted by the momentary we can be distracted by the struggle. Something simple like the Walter Mitty film can knock me off course. It made me wish for material things of this world. It can make us worry for the unpayable bill. Or we can worry about the vaccine or worry about COVID or worry about where we'll live or what we'll do for work. We can be focused on the things in the short space. We live in an exciting world and there is many good things that the world offers. But there's equal amounts of things to be fearful of. Untimely death, disease, a lack of security, poverty. Those films that we've watched over the last couple of weeks of the little girl locked in her room because she won't deny Jesus. The man who finds the tract that's been dumped down the toilet and becomes a pastor, risking his life crossing the North Korean border. Those have been confronting for me as I think about my life here, comfortable. Paul doesn't want me to live comfortable. 
He doesn't mind that I might live comfortable. It's not that being comfortable is a problem. It's what happens when I'm comfortable. I take my eyes off the long game. Our job here is to bring glory to God. And we do that by being signposts to his work. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul puts it this way. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a couple of things we can take away from this. We need to make sure that our faith is in Christ. We need to make sure that we've repented of our sin. Paul makes this final statement at verse 58 of of chapter 15. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. And that's great news. Let's pray. Lord, we just give thanks for this time together, for the fellowship and friendship that we share, even here whilst on Zoom. And Lord, we give thanks that you've given us your word so that we can learn more about you. Lord, as we consider what our first priorities are, may we always look back to Christ's death and resurrection May we understand that it was your plan all along. May we hold a long view that this life is for a moment and that there is a life to come, a restoration of the new heavens and the new earth. And and Lord, we, we give thanks for that. We praise your name. And most of all, Lord, we lift up your name. Amen.